0: Welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi Podcast Quarantine Edition, um, broadcasting from three different points within the confines of New Orleans. Uh, with me, as always, is Fredo and Dave. How are you doing, guys?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Good. good? And my name is Aaron. So there we go. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about a, a couple different things because May the 4th just. Uh, just happened a few days ago and which means we got the end of the clone wars episode. So we're going to be talking about that siege of Mandalore arc and kind of the kind of the ending of clone wars and how it fits in the whole scheme of things. Um, that'll be kind of the bulk of our discussion tonight, but then we're also going to talk about the, uh, first installment of the Mandalorian, uh, behind the scenes documentary Brown table thingy that's on Disney plus as well. Um, but first of all, it's uh, I guess we and the big news Saints schedule came out, everybody's schedule came out just a few minutes ago, not too long ago. Um, and we've got the Bucks, Tom Brady, and the Bucks first week out. And uh, Skip Bayless is crying because it doesn't think it's fair that Tom Brady has to play his toughest game in week one,
1: boo, boo, boo. yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, Tom Brady's going to find out that this ain't the AFC East.
1: Nope, nope. There's actually uh, competition on his level uh, in the NFC South. It's going to be interesting for him. I mean, he and the Bucks. I mean, just the fact that he went to Tampa Bay has made them instantly shoot up into the contenders list, almost to the point of favorites above other teams. And you're like, wait a minute, they're a good team, but this is but still. Even- not-
0: even the worst team in this conference will give you a headache
1: mm-hmm.
0: twice a year. So yeah. anyway, any, uh, any of those uh, games besides the Tom Brady thing, and even like go, ooh, that's going to be a good game to
1: watch? Well, I was thinking Christmas Day versus the Minnesota Vikings, 3.30 p.m. Our time. So Christmas Day, you I mean, there's a potential. We could have a Christmas afternoon Saints game at the Dome and a Christmas night Pelicans game. Because a Christmas day is usually the, the NBA's big day. So it's interesting that the NFL's putting me game in the middle of it.
0: So so come on, vaccine. We need you now. Come on.
2: Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean that's the point, right? Because uh I look at that home slate and it's great. I'm 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 thinking, I oh, man, I'm really happy for season ticket holders if the games happen and if this fans get to attend the games. That's that's my one whole like hope for this situation is even if that season doesn't get played out when we think it is supposed to and when the schedule makers have said that it's gonna happen, I want it to happen for the fans' benefit. Um, I mean
0: yeah
1: yeah just think about it from the standpoint. You have coming to the Superdome Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers with the Packers we get the return of Teddy with the Panthers. The 49ers are coming back. Uh, the Vikings, of course, Christmas Day. but And then also the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick
0: Mahomes, yeah.
1: So, I mean, you have everywhere from the current MVP to past MVP to Hall of Famers to emotional games. And you're like, it would be awful if fans don't get a chance to go enjoy that.
0: Defense, it's very important. You do not suck this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Big so. time. Anyway, Shoot
0: well, you know, that's the thing, Dave. I'm thinking about it. it's. I'm with you. It's like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we canceled. Our, our Disney trip has obviously been canceled. But we kind of waited until, knowing that there was, there were no, you know, cancellation fees or anything like that. We kind of waited as long as we could. Because, like I said once before on the podcast, you know, rebellions are built on hope. You know, it's like, so it, you've got to you got to hope you got to hope for the best, you know, and right. But I'm, I'm kind of like what you said. It's, I have a feeling the season's probably not going to start in August. It'll probably start more in like October. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, that's uh. but we gotta, we gotta have something to look forward to instead uh, yeah. of just yeah, just yeah. Just sitting here and, you know, <laughs> recording podcasts. So, <laughs> so. Oh,
2: that's great fun. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That, um, yeah. Actually, That's I, look, such, I look forward to yeah. this every week now. Me too. So. Me too. Like, it's something on the schedule. I'm like, all right, it's Thursday.
0: Yeah. So uh, what are you guys doing uh, real quick to anything new? Fredo, I've been seeing you on uh, Twitter talking about Legos. Yeah. Were you inspired <laughs> last week?
1: Well kind, of, well, kind of, but not, you know, kind of, sort of. Um, uh, basically, you know, like some people like to put puzzles together, and I've liked that in the past. But uh, I like putting Legos. It's... Uh, basically I just went like I go to Target or whatever and I'll just go and pick up a set and just put it together. Uh picked up a couple of different cars. So and this will be great for an audio podcast, I'll show you. So I put together the McLaren Senna uh racing car and then uh got an yes last night I put together a Nissan GTR Nismo. So yeah, it's not it's not a it's not a three thousand uh piece set, it's not even a thousand, it's only about 300 pieces or so. So it's a couple of hours. You throw in a couple of podcasts on the, uh, you know, on your, from your phone, you grab a cold beverage and you spend a little time just decompressing and, you know, just following the instructions.
0: Cool. Cool. Dave, what are you up to?
2: I'm reading that uh, book, uh, Master and Apprentice. Okay. Um, Was that one that you'd read?
0: I have not read that.
2: No. Okay. Um, I'm liking it so far, um, and uh, it, it gives you a lot. I haven't. I'm about maybe a quarter of the way through it. It gives you a lot of insight into where their characters are in *Phantom Menace*, um, because it is it's the story of Qui Gon uh, and Obi Wan earlier in their relationship, and then it, um, it it does some flashbacks, so you get to see Qui Gon as an apprentice under Dooku. Um, you get to see, uh, there's another main character in the story who was Dooku's other apprentice. Um, so all these relationships, uh, that we've seen in the films, uh, are, play out in this book. And it's, um, so far it, like, that pretty much nails what you would expect. Uh, there's a lot of kind of, um, foreshadowing. <laughs> I guess it's shadowing because they wrote this book after all the movies had happened, but, uh, uh, yeah. So it's, I like it so far.
0: Cool. Yeah. I, uh, haven't been doing much, uh, May the 4th, um, the movie that Britt and I watched, we watched Rogue One. I think I, I just realized just how much I like that movie. Um, except for the main title theme. Um, other than that, I think it's just, I think it's a wonderful movie i don't there's there's not many flaws to it um so except that they all die spoiler <laughs> alert but anyway um you know, even yeah you know, uh it's, it's kind of interesting i remember i i responded to uh somebody on twitter one time they said uh, uh it would be nice for star wars movies to have a you know a cast that has of characters that nobody's ever heard of before. And I was like, well, Rogue One. And he's like, then he was like, but Vader and Tarkin and Leia and Mon Mothma and starts listing all these down. And yeah, there are a lot of names in that, but they're all, I mean, it's, they're bit they're bit parts, right? I mean, they're kind of almost set dressing. Um, so you really do. It's just, it was nice to get to know new characters. It's just a good movie. So that's what I did. That and I got a mannequin for my Stormtrooper armor. So <laughs> I've been wanting that for years and I'm excited. So,
1: yeah, I was going to ask if you actually took part in any of the commercialization and bought anything on May the 4th.
0: No, I did not. Um, However, did you see that uh, there was a lady dressed up in stormtrooper armor in Canada as part of a May the 4th um, promotion for like a restaurant, I think, like that? And people called that there was somebody walking around with a weapon. And the cops came and like had her on her knees, hands behind her head, like the whole nine yards. And it's like, ugh, I, yeah.
1: Which um. makes me wonder, how do you miss 40 years of media and merchandising to such an extent that you don't recognize it? So it's a, I mean, it's one thing if I tell you, oh, I'm showing up with a random, obscure character from a niche TV show even some like game of thrones which is mega popular but star wars i mean there are, you know, well, she, are had she, had a,
0: she had a blaster and you know it was but it's still it's like come on it's okay. It's,
1: it's okay it's a, a storm trooper you know aiming, aiming yeah. exactly
0: <laughs> so anyway no i did not buy anything on may the 4th It didn't necessarily mean i didn't look around but um anyway
2: well hey all right. I, I got some uh, Star Wars Legos cuz I was uh, inspired by our conversation last week and uh, uh got some early uh gift shopping done for Nathan.
1: Nice.
0: Well, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I got a couple <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of t-shirts and then I uh got a pre-ordered uh Lego set, the little brickheads of the baby of the Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian.
0: Awesome. Oh, by the way, as we were just talking here, if you saw, I just made a weird face because I got an alert, you know, for something on Twitter. I was, "What the heck is this?" Well, I was listening to uh, the Resistance Broadcast podcast today when I was working, and they were interviewing um, a guy by the name of Yoshi Vu, who is a, uh, I think, a digital effects. He's a visual effects artist on the Mandalorian, Mandalorian, and The Rise of Skywalker. Um, it was a really good episode to listen to him because he was talking about the shots that he created and stuff like that. And so I followed him on Twitter, and he just followed me back. So nice, yeah. So anyway, uh, okay. So hey, it's trivia time. Um, and uh, so let's see here, Fredo. I'll go to you first. And uh, oh, I'm going to even give you a clue. Here we go. Because well, it'll be obvious, but it's from Revenge of the Sith. Who departs General Grievous's damaged flagship in an escape pod heading toward a trade federation battleship?
1: Is this like what's the color? What's the color of Napoleon's white horse?
0: Or who's, in, who's <laughs> buried who's buried in Grant's tomb?
1: Exactly. <laughs> you mean that is it besides General Grievous?
0: The answer is General Grievous, yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't even add anything to that question. It's exactly how it's printed. So oh, no, I uh, believe you. <laughs> All right, Dave. Who shoots the breeze with a red asteroid outside the most icily? Eisley- oh, sorry. Let me read. <laughs> astro droid. Who shoots the breeze with a red astro droid outside the most icily cantina? Man, that's weird. Yeah, man, this is a deep cut. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember this one. This is. Man, I, I feel bad for. I just. I didn't even yeah. look at it. I just started reading.
1: You went from yeah, the easiest of easy to the hardest of hards. Yeah, I have no. Chinese I have, a
0: red astrodroid outside the most icy cantina.
1: I mean,
2: I'm trying to visualize it, and I can't even do that. So, like, I I don't even know if it's a droid, a person, whatever. I don't. I don't know.
0: You want to take a guess?
2: Um, how about uh, Greedo?
0: Is R two D two? Ah, oh. I'm trying to I I'm gonna have to, to go watch a new hope. What is this?
1: Oh well, yeah, all I can think of is the do back that kind of you know makes a noise towards R2 as they're walking in. There's a think.
2: when they park the when they park the speeder, the there's a droid that goes in front of the speeder in the original cut of the film, right? That's the all I'm thinking is, of.
1: Yeah, but I'm thinking more along the lines of when they park it's luke's shoe away the the jaw was
0: right i don't know we're gonna have to we're, gonna, we're all gonna have to go watch a new hope or somebody's listening to this why don't you let us know on twitter after you listen and figure out what the heck we missed it must be the uh, uh, that's sorry like i said that was that was a tough one <laughs> all, right. all right i don't think well, there's a
2: lot of ego here We're we're all just having fun
0: what does Anakin's friend seek predict Annie will become if he keeps pod racing? I didn't think that was the kid's name. Thought it was anyway. Anakin's friend predict Annie will become if he keeps pod racing. Um, it can become like splat on the road or something like that, isn't it?
2: Something like oh, that. B-
0: bug squash. Bug squash is the answer. So, all right. So Dave and I got the uber easy with Fredo, and then Dave and I get you know what's the what's the eighteenth word in the USS Constitution? You know. <laughs> all right. Well, if you were playing along with us at home, hopefully you got those. And but and if you did, let us know how. So anyway, all right. Well, uh, before we went on today, Fredo was saying he was kind of. Collating the new, or uh, we not collating.
1: Um, uh, Listing,
0: <laughs> gathering the news that has happened since we last met, and apparently there's a lot of stuff to go on. Um, so, Fredo, what what did we miss this week?
1: Well, it's not so much what we missed. It's a, it seems like May the fourth or and the days around that became kind of a wellspring of news. So, we'll start at the front. You know, the it's, first one. It's
0: the day. It's the day that Lucasfilm went on the record.
1: Basically, so first things first, uh, we got confirmation of new actors added to the crew to the cast of Cassian Andor. Uh, we already knew that uh, Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk were reprising the roles from Rogue One of Cassian Andor and K-2SO, but uh, basically, we got confirmation that Genevieve O'Reilly is going to reprise her role as Mon Mothma. Makes sense. From, you know, she already played her in Revenge of the Sith. She played her in Rogue One. This is taking place before Rogue One, so it makes sense. She also joined... did
0: the voice in Rebels for Mon Mothma.
1: Mm-hmm. So. She's also joined by uh, Denise Gao uh, and Kyle Solar from a number of different projects, and mm-hmm. Stellan Skarsgård, a.k.a. Uh, I'm trying to think, Dr. Uh, who's the name of the astrophysicist in Thor? He was great in Pirates of the Caribbean. He was great in Chernobyl. You know, so it seems like they are gathering uh, good actors in order to come. So for how the long? Project.
0: How long do you think before Forest Whitaker is announced?
1: It wouldn't surprise me. Now, here's my question: If would you have him in season, say, in season one, or would you save him for a season two? Uh, I yeah.
2: yeah, I think you'd save him, right? Because like the, they're different cells, right? They're not all. Organized under the same umbrella, really.
0: Um, but Rogue One does say, I mean, it does imply that there's some history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, I mean, and the supposedly the the Cassian Andor series is supposed to take place five years before Rogue One. So, if you want to have more than one season, it's not going to be like the Obi wan series, which is just going to be, you know, six episodes, and that's it. They're going to want to do more than one season. You could save his. In reintroduction, so to speak. And Forest Whitaker's after i mean, he did the voice of Saw Gerrera for both Rebels and for Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, so, so I like
2: cool. I like that era of Star Wars, and I like that they're doing this show. But I also it's it's making my brain hurt because <laughs> the timelines and the different series are bumping up against one another now. Because you had Rebels set during. Roughly the same time frame, uh, and Solo is in that rough same time frame. Um, yeah. it's it's going to get crowded quickly.
0: So uh, interesting thing, um, and we're you know we're going to be talking about uh, the Clone Wars here in a little bit. So I don't want to get into that conversation too much. But did you catch um, the the frequency, the fulcrum frequency, was Anakin's. Own private frequency, mm-hmm. and you know, Fulcrum is you know, Ahsoka was a Fulcrum, um, Cassian so- was a Fulcrum, right?
1: I believe so. So Guerrero right. definitely was.
0: So this so, uh, makes you wonder: Was Vader listening in on any of these, or hip to any of these? You know, is that why the rebellion was having a hard time of it early on? Because that was that was his frequency. Well, you know, but, is, it, is it like you're wearing an Apple watch and it's like, crap, I'm still getting, you know, emails from, you know, the band that I was in five years ago uh, because it was my email account. You know, I don't know.
1: Well, what's interesting is I, I know that uh, I'm not sure if the Force Unleashed games got moved to the legend side as supposed to remain in the canon. But those introduced the idea that the whole Rebel Alliance was kind of sort of co-opted by Vader and the Emperor. As a mechanism of rooting out enemies, they kind of made it. They kind of, you know, presented the idea: of, oh no no, we send out somebody to kind of stir up stuff and help bring all these people who don't like us together, and then in the right moment, will he'll betray them all and we'll will reveal that who is who are our enemies, and then of course it doesn't turn out that way, and the rebel alliance is born. So it's an interesting thought. I don't know if it's that's anywhere near the canon anymore, or well, they could co-opt it.
0: You know, it's just one of those things where I was just wondering, it's like, you know, like, again, I've talked about, you know, John Williams makes every decision he makes in the music is for a purpose. It's not just, it's kind of like this guy on the podcast today, this Yoshi Vu was talking about, it's like when you're designing a character, you don't ever put anything on that character just because it looks cool. It's got to have a purpose and it's got to have, you know, it makes sense. So why do they write in, it, they could have said it's the fulcrum frequency, or they could have said it's coming on Anakin's special secret frequency, but to combine those two, that's an interesting decision to make. Anyway, we can we don't have to talk about it right now, but we can talk about it if you want to. I don't care, but that's just, I found that interesting. So maybe we'll talk about it when we get back to Clone Wars. So Fredo, back okay. to the news.
1: Okay, so the next bit of news that broke after that was the news that Taika Waititi had been hired to co-write and direct a Star Wars feature film, which I don't think they came as, it came as, as news because it was reviews of confirmed, but I don't think it came as a surprise, particularly since his involvement with Mandalorian. And uh, he, alongside with Christy Wilson-Cairns, who was also hired to help him co-write, she co-wrote with Sam Mendes his last movie, 1917, the World War One movie. So it's aren't interesting we, to bring those two together. Aren't we
0: seeing that uh, um seems like The Mandalorian was kind of an uh, audition for other things to come because Deborah Chow got the Obi-Wan mm-hmm. series, right? Right. Um, and now Taika's getting a movie. You know, like I said, it just makes you wonder if this is a... Uh, yeah again, this will get into our discussion a little bit later, but i think I think John Favreau's been doing more than just um producing a the first star wars t v show I think that he's got a little bit higher um role in developing Lucasfilm going forward, so anyway
1: well, if
2: you look at some of the names attached for season two and we're about to get to that news, i think
1: mm-hmm.
2: um yeah, would kind of indicate that they, that it is potentially a, a training ground, um, mm-hmm. the show for for feature films.
1: But- so let me t- yeah. So let me mention that. so Yeah, the next bit of news that kind of broke was that uh, both Robert Rodriguez and Peyton Reed confirmed that they are directing at least one episode of season two of Mandalorian. Uh, you know, some directors direct one, some direct more than one, but they're di- at the very least they are directing some aspect of season two of Mandalorian, which again, to your point there, it's a good way of testing out, you know, is this somebody who can play in the universe? Is this somebody who we can work with for a feature film or is, or is it just going to give us something cool and neat and interesting? And then thank you very much. And off you go. I
2: mean, if you look at, if you, I was going to just going to say one thing. I mean, if you look at, yeah, if you look at the track record um, of all the troubled productions that they've had, under the Disney umbrella, Um, so many directors that didn't work out, it really does make sense to go this route and and attach directors to other projects. And like you said, kind of try them on for size, see if they get along well with others, see if they understand the material, um, see if it fits and then move forward. I mean, if that's what they're deliberately doing and it looks like it is, I love it. I think it's great.
0: Yeah, I know it totally makes sense. It's like if you're looking for a new guitar player for your band, one of the best things to do is have a buddy come in and sit in with you, you know, and while the other guitar player is still there, you know, before they, you know, quit or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean there is otherwise you're just going on, Hey, I like that movie that they made. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't have a problem with it either. So
1: I mean, it's a, I mean, it's smart. Everybody always talks about, oh, I'd love to get say the Quentin Tarantino Star Wars or the this director Star Wars. It's a good way of bringing. And they're bringing guys who haven't been involved in genre filmmaking. You know, Robert Rodriguez has directed everything from Spike Kids to Machete to From Dusk Till Dawn to Desperado. So he's some idea of special effects, and he has a particular aesthetic. Uh, Peyton Reed has been directing the Ant-Man movies for Marvel, so again, he has some idea of how to work in a multi-story, sprawling universe. So, but working Star Wars is different than doing other stuff. So, you want to at least make sure you're okay with them and then get, they can get along with the other aspects of Lucasfilm before you say, "Here's a movie."
0: And if you if you have John Favreau who's an accomplished director on his own. Right. And, you know, as producing this thing, and it's not like he's producing from an office, you know, again, we'll get to talk about this later, but he's obviously on the set, like constantly. So if something was to happen where somebody would just wasn't working out, you would have somebody that was able to step in and the Mandalorian's not going to tank, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, well, that's so. Yeah, but the the newsworthy stuff of both those with the Taika Waititi and the others is that Lucasfilm went on the record.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: they, they've been they haven't been gone on the record about anything for the longest time. So,
1: but also think it's part. I mean, on the one hand, you know, May the Fourth provided the, the opportunity to, to break some stuff. Somebody, like stuff like the Mandalorian. That's going to be, you know, you can't you know, delay that too long because the show's coming out at the end of October. Uh, it's going to get out one way or another.
0: Well, the other uh, thing is that, uh, sorry to interrupt you is that, mm-hmm. you know, star Wars celebration has not been canceled yet, but we all know it probably most likely will. Um, cause I was supposed to be in Anaheim, um, in August. And I would guess that this is where a lot of this stuff was going to get, you know, announced that these directors, um, the, you know, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, if that's going to happen, my guess is that was probably going to be announced at celebration. Um, you know, some of the other things we're gonna talk about later. So I would guess we're probably gonna get more drip drip, more um on the record stuff throughout late spring, summer um from Lucasfilm. That's my guess.
1: Well, the next big news that more likely will break alongside Ahsoka is the rumored, the next big rumor that kind of broke over we over May the fourth, which was the return of Hayden Christensen. So there's Hi,
0: I'm Hayden Christensen.
1: That's right. <laughs> You uh, thought he was out. He's back in. So yes, there is a rumor that uh, Hayden will reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker, not Darth Vader. Anakin uh, for the Obi-Wan series that Deborah Chow is uh, running, you know, managing and overseeing over. Uh, and kids,
0: this is just a rumor. This is not Lucasfilm on the record. This is from a mole inside somewhere, but.
1: But it tracks with a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about in the last few weeks about how we've been seeing a lot more in the last few months, how we've been seeing Hayden kind of make sort of a return to the public spotlight with this role, with the role of Anakin, you know, his involvement in Rise of Skywalker and so forth.
0: So. So is this a way because I, so I got to think about this as we were talking about this on Twitter, you know, you, you said, you know, so is it going to be flashbacks? I said, well, if it's not flashbacks, then it's going to be one of the most messed up, you know, <laughs> cannon busting things ever. But um, so, my, you know, the the the, the best guess is that, you know, you're going to see flashbacks. But I was like, which I've always been an advocate for when talking about this Obi-Wan series, because I don't want to see Obi-Wan going to the grocery store. Um, but if he's going to the grocery store and something triggers a memory and suddenly it's he and Anakin on a mission. But then I start thinking about that again. And I'm like, all right, so on one hand, is this just gonna be a way to rehash Clone Wars stuff? You know, if if so and then on the other hand, I'm like, well, Filoni's got other stories that he's wanted to tell from within that area. He didn't get in there, so it's an opportunity. And then all of a sudden, as I'm saying this right now, I got a third hand where it's like you got that Rosario Dawson thing on in the background. Is it possible that we have live action, all three of them? I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, what's interesting uh, is that you could consider bring Ahsoka Tano into the Obi Wan too. That's a way you flashback. Well, I don't know if you necessarily will get Rosario Dawson, but well why not? I mean there's that that
0: character is going to be a heck of a lot of makeup. So it's like doesn't matter how old she is or you know anything like that. Um because yeah Ahsoka is a lot younger than what Rosario Dawson is. I don't mean any disrespect to Rosario Dawson, but yeah. you know, but it's a lot of makeup and so you know I don't know. I think that's a possibility. But I think it'd be awfully weird. Uh, to me, that just seems like it'd be like going to, you know, Six Flags, and you see, you know, you yep. know, I don't know, the characters walking around that you see on cartoons. I don't know, It'd be <laughs> kind of weird.
2: Well, it's funny we're talking about Ahsoka because the female centric series got confirmed. Did it? No.
1: Yes, <laughs> it did. That was going to be the next bit of news. It was, uh, hold on, let me see. See if like I can find it. it was on, okay, yeah, so, a female led Star Wars series is in the works of Disney. Plus. Uh, it's going to be uh, re- overseen by uh, writer director Leslie Hedlund, who did Netflix's show Russian Doll, which got a lot of uh, uh, praise and clear critical acclaim. Um, no specific said, no specific details about plot, setting, uh, characters. We're suspecting it's it is going to be Ahsoka, but at the same time, the the only rumor that kind of came out with the reveal was that it's going to take place in that Star Wars period that we haven't seen yet. So, so what, how about
0: yeah? I, you're right, and Dave's talking about you know it's getting crowded in that in that time period. Um, Because I was just going to say, hey, maybe this will be the Millie Bobby Brown as uh, Young Princess Leia, which I would be all in for. um, But that would be during that same damn stretch of time.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, what it would be to me, because what's interesting is you could have the cast and Endor series on one hand and the Young Princess Leia series kind of running concurrently, but showing you different sides. I don't know if. And is a
0: character, yeah. Right,
1: right. It, it could be overkill, but it could also be an interesting way of showing different aspects. That's one of the things that Clone Wars did well is that it would give you a political sh- a series of episodes and then an action series of episodes.
0: Of course, this you know, the, this one we're talking about, the female you know centric series, that might be something related to the High Republic because there are some of those characters that you know, it's you know, uh, they're. Some of those Jedi are female, so that might be something we're getting into. It'd be, it'd fit what we're talking about in an era that we haven't talked about yet. So mm-hmm. uh,
1: I don't know. And and would be interesting to see, particularly when it comes to the High Republic. Whenever those books start coming out, if there's a strong enough positive response to it, we might, we might, you know, say, oh, by the way, here's a show to go with it.
2: I think the Princess Leia show concept like had never even occurred to me. And I think it was Holly that brought it up on our show. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, that would work. That would work really, really well because y- the principles are all there.
0: Well, you um, could have, yeah, you could have bail Antilles, you know, or Baylor Ghana, you know, like, you know, half Senator, half rebel and, you know, Young Princess Leia going, Daddy, I want to help out too, and he's like, No, you just stay and do your homework. And then she, you know, kind of does a Batgirl type of thing, and you know is you know getting into trouble and but in the rebellion, I think it'd be kind of cool. Well,
1: and what would be interesting is it gives you an opportunity to hit different tones and different audiences because you could have a very hard-boiled, serious, kind of downbeat show with Cassian Andor, and you could have something that's more light, and uh, less stressful, or not less stressful, but less downbeat with Young Princess Leia. You know, same Star Wars universe, but just different uh, themes and different motifs around them. Could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. so last bit of news, and uh, this was the most important one to me and to Dave. Uh, Lego Skywalker Saga video game. Confirm coming out between you, right you, you and
0: Dave, it wasn't Lego on my list, Lego Star Wars on my list, just because I don't
1: play games
0: as much as you do. This sounds awesome to me too, but you know,
1: okay, okay, well to you as well, it's we're talking the whole nine episode saga coming out in video game, and they've confirmed that you don't have to uh start at the episode one, you can pick any episode and play so you can do out. the you
0: can do the machete order.
1: You can do the machete order if you want. You can start at the end and go back to the beginning. You can hopscotch around whichever way you want. So, yes, that's coming out sometime in 2020 So what they've said. I haven't confirmed an official date yet. Sounds
2: awesome, but I wish they'd had all the movies.
1: Oh, you just, mean, you want
2: to- I wanted Rogue One. I want Solo. I want the, the Ewok Adventures. Uh, I want the Clone Wars movie. I want it all.
1: You want the Christmas special?
2: yeah. Bring
1: it on! <laughs> actually, can you imagine playing a Lego K two S O in a video game? Something oh, that like be,
2: that. Yeah, that would be fun.
0: Yeah. So that you mentioned K two S O, that was uh, I've been actually kind of on. A, I've skipped the last couple days, but I've been I've been on my Instagram just uh, doing little. Um, these are a few of my favorite things, type of things from my collection, and just the stories behind them. And when I had I had Alan Tudic sign my Rogue One poster and it was one of the most awesome things because you know he's like, uh first of all, it was the day that they announced that he was gonna be in the casting andor series. But anyway, he uh, he was asking, he's like, Hey, can I can I sign over the because the the Rogue One poster shows the beach on scarf? He's like, Hey, can I sign over the uh um the trees here and I said, Well, of course. I said, Cassian said you had to. And so he wrote, Cassian said I had to on on the poster and then his name and everything. So I just love having that little story with it. So who's listening to music? Yeah, That's absolutely. A that, was,
1: that was my phone playing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, my phone rang all of a sudden. Sorry.
0: So that, that's, that's all of our, that's all the news. That's all, that's a lot of stuff. That
1: was, that was, I don't think I can, I don't think we got any more news in the last few minutes. So thank goodness.
0: Well, let's, let's talk just a little bit. We didn't, we just kind of skipped over it. Um, how excited would you be if uh, Hayden Christensen was Anakin Skywalker in the Obi-Wan series?
1: Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think it would be good. I mean, it'd be, uh, it'd be an interesting thing to see him play a role that he's, been maligned for and has had to live with now for 15 years since the last well, so played it.
0: So this might go into our, our final conversations. Maybe we can think about this one, but how excited would you have been um, if you learned like a year after Revenge of the Sith that Hayden Christensen was going to be reprising as Anakin Skywalker
2: role? So I like, th- I like that point that Alfreda just made, which is like I feel a lot of nostalgia for him in that role and I know that he's taken a lot of abuse over the years and so I would be very happy for him um, but to answer your question I'd be less excited about it uh, because at that point I kind of thought that the whole thing was over and then like oh no it's, it's just kidding everybody uh, here's here's this new series starring, starring uh, Hayden I'd be like uh, okay um, but time's passed. I'm, I'm, I'm into it.
0: If for me, uh, you know, again, I, my problem with, wasn't necessarily with Hayden Christensen, uh, the people who said, you know, that they're, they didn't like an emo Anakin. It's like, that's exactly what Anakin Skywalker was going to be was emo. You know? I mean, that's exactly, if you, if you think he was going to be anything else, um, that, I mean, that's just, the way it was going to be. There was going to be a dark element to him. There was going to be, yeah. so I get it. The only problem I had was that it seemed like his whole motivation in the prequels was about Padme, which fine, but I've said it a gazillion times on this show that the clone wars saved Anakin Skywalker for me because that Anakin Skywalker is so well developed, so well written, so well thought out that it's like, I can overlook the, you know, romantic, you know, stupid stuff that was going on in episode two and three. Um, and then, But however, there was just, I, I still can't get out of my head. The one line that is so poorly delivered. And that's you underestimate my power. You know, just, I hate that line from revenge of the Sith. <laughs> um, but I mean, that being said, it would be cool to see, you know, you and McGregor and Hayden Christensen, you know, bouncing around and, you know, doing Jedi stuff in a flashback. I think it would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm.
1: I think uh, given all the stuff that uh, Hayden uh, had to take, not just in uh, 2005, but in the years between getting cast and the prequels coming to an end, I think it's an interesting point for him to be coming back to it because it's almost kind of the same nature, the same thing that happened to Mark Hamill. Because Mark yeah. Hamill spent a period away from Star Wars and away from genre filmmaking. And I think, you know, and he said, I think he even admitted, it was his children growing up and discovering how big of a deal he was with Star Wars. As Luke Skywalker kind of helped bring him back around around the time of the uh, special editions. So almost that was his reintroduction to Star Wars. And he eventually made his peace with, you know the ups and downs of his career and the the importance of this role. You know uh, it is. I'm sorry. Go ahead,
2: Dave. Go. Yeah, no, I I agree. And people who are younger who who might be listening to this or or have just forgotten, uh, Mark Hamill's acting got savaged uh, for a number of years, um, and he couldn't get other work, um, and he was typecast, and his career never really took off. Um, for a number of reasons, I'm sure, but uh, he had every reason to be bitter about that whole experience, and in every interview you see him do, um he comes off as positive and gracious and just the mark that we know today and love um and and you know for that like i I just wanted to make that point because like Mark's incredible, and I'll I was never a Luke Skywalker guy when I was a kid, um, but I've become such a fan of the actor over time that I've come to appreciate his character even more.
1: I mean, it's and we tend to mean most people younger than us won't recall, but there was a time when Mark was starring in sci-fi original level stuff. He was in stuff like The Gaiver, which yep. was, I mean, it was made with. Uh, for the vial for the price of two chicken sandwiches, and he was making a. He was starring in Wing Commander Three, you know. He was
0: the he was the original David in Eight Is Enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> How's that for a deep cut? Like in the very yeah. first episode of Eight Is Enough, Mark Hamill, I believe, played David, and then they when they you know when they got into the series, then they got the other dude. So, yeah.
1: So, yeah, so it's an interesting way of acknowledging that. I mean, let's be honest, it's something that a lot of the main central actors for a lot of these big blockbuster genre properties struggle with, you know, the years afterwards. I think that there's been a lot better acceptance in the last 20 years or so for uh, character actors who get, you know, scooped up and put at the middle of a big, property, like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, you know, you know. But whereas, you know, Hayden got the hit, you know, he got ran over by a railroad of angry fans who were upset with what the prequels were and weren't, and, you know, eventually had to come out to the other end of it, and now he's at that point where he can revisit it, and people, like I said, can look at it with nostalgia at, at the role and his performance.
0: So I think I, we're going to talk about it a little bit later on uh, when we talk about the Clone Wars, um, but I think we need to have an episode of just the prequels revisited, because I mean there's a lot of things I have a lot of I have a lot of issues with people who have issues with those three movies. I mean I have issues. Actually, I said, I'm not a big fan of Episode Two and Episode Three, but that arc is exactly what that story is. And if you were expecting something different from George Lucas and you didn't get it, then you hadn't been paying attention for the 15 years prior. So, you know, uh, so, yeah, the people will probably get a lot less followers because I'm going to, you know, (laughs) lay into people who are mad because, but, and and it also goes into, it's like, we were watching a little bit of the Phantom Menace um, on May the 4th. I think it was during lunch it was on. And, um, you know, there's there's Jake Lloyd and Britt, said i can't believe people went after a nine-year-old you know <laughs> it's, I can. you know and it's it's just yeah it's it's one of those things where it's like come on people you know so at some point the fan base has to you know start calling its own out and not you know not allowing for that kind of crud because it's like again it's one thing to criticize You know harrison ford for mouthing carrie fisher's lips and you know uh words in you know empire strikes back it's another thing to lay into a you know nine-year-old uh jake lloyd or a you know 16 year old you know natalie portman you know for their their roles so yeah uh or
1: kelly mary trend a few years ago
0: (laughs) we need yeah we need we need george lucas to stand up there like what's his name from oklahoma going i'm a man Oh, you know, I'm 40 year old man. (laughs) I
2: I think there's a there's a very significant between saying I didn't like that performance or I I don't think so and so could even act their way out of a paper wet paper bag, um, which again is a more extreme opinion. But putting that into somebody's face and telling that to them and making sure they know all about it and not letting the matter go. And basically, just showing your
1: My country.
2: um, no, I, yeah, no, that's that does need to be called out. That does need to be stopped. That that, that kind of behavior is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, we're, these are real life people we're dealing with here. You know, and I always think about that whenever I like hate a movie. I if I absolutely hate a movie, I still think to myself. There were thousands of people involved with making this movie and some of them were probably proud of the work that they did on that movie.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. It's like, do you you know, and again, this is not what we're talking about tonight, but I just it's like as much as a problem you know, I'm one of those who had a problem with, you know, man, I I wish Last Jedi and you know Rise of Skywalker, the issues that we've talked about. But do we really think that the people who are really mad about it? Do they really think that Ryan Johnson sat there and said, "How can I just totally f up the entire universe? You know, what can I? What can I do? Yeah, let's it. A, that's a good idea. And it's and collect my paycheck and throw the middle finger up at everybody. People, he had a story to tell, and if you don't like it, then. I'm too bad. Then don't, don't watch it again. You know, go, go do something else. You're, you're totally right. Those people put in, it's, it's like a a band that creates a, a CD. It's like, and you criticize, man, this CD sucks. It's like, Hey, have you ever been in a recording studio? Have you ever spent, you know, the, the hours upon hours of preparation and put everything you have into creating this thing, at least, you know, figure out where to direct your anger, you know, yeah, or maybe not have anger. Yeah,
1: yeah, calm down. Well, <laughs> right. well, I feel we'll go back. We'll come back to this point later on down the show. So I'll not keep us because uh, I know we want to get into Disney Gallery.
0: Yeah, let's 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 talk about the uh, the May the Fourth first special gift that we had was um, the the Mandalorian behind the scenes documentary. It's called Disney Gallery, mm-hmm. which I, I'm wondering if it's going to be anything other than the mandalorian but for right now it's the mandalorian and uh this first episode was uh it was just it was just titled the directors and it was john favreau sitting around a table with all the directors from uh the episodes of the mandalorian and they kind of all each got their own little vignette kind of able for us to get to know them a little bit more um I'll start it off. I will say what struck me was that um, and I'm going to say it was like Lincoln's team of rivals that Favreau put together, but it wasn't it wasn't like people who disagreed with each other. But you he Favreau was so smart that he put together a group of people that were not cookie cutters of each other. It's like it's like he went and put together a band. that's like, I want the best bass player. I want the best drummer. I want the best guitar player. Yeah, you know, He found the, ex- he, and if they agreed, disagreed, whatever, but they were so different from one another that it was the perfect decision to make because it was going to make the product that much better. Because when you have a bunch of people who do nothing but agree, then you get a kind of a weak product. That's my point.
2: Fredo?
1: Yeah, no, I was going to follow up. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's interesting because if you look at it just from the standpoint of uh, which, you no, know, their background in terms of Star Wars, you got on one end you have Dave Filoni who has been breathing, living, sleeping Star Wars for the better part of two decades now, just about. And on the other end you have somebody like, uh, 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 what's her name? What's her name? I draw a on her. Uh, Bryce
0: Dallas Howard.
1: Bryce Dallas Howard, thank you. Who, while she's done major movie, Hollywood movie productions, uh, she has, it's only starting her directing career.
0: The best story, what well, came from her was when she said she went, You know, her dad took her on a business trip to Japan mm-hmm. and she was five years old and she was there. They had to have dinner with Kurosawa and George Lucas. <laughs> it's just like, Talk, you know, talking about two name drops, like, boom, boom. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and
1: she's just falling asleep. She's bored of this because, of course, she's a kid. She just took a long flight. Of course, she was going to be bored of it. But it's I think what was also indicative of, and this goes to Favreau's talents, he knew where to put those directors. Like, he put Bryce Dallas Howard in the episode where Mandalorian goes to hide in that very uh, uh, forest... Uh, secluded village, where it's a lot more emotional regarding his decision to be a Mandalorian, his decision to protect the child, where he had, is given the option of staying there with uh, the widow. So it's interesting that he picks a, a an actor to direct other actors in a moment that's supposed to be very emotional, versus picking Taika Waititi for an action-heavy, fun finale. But, you know, his
0: his point, though, about he said because he makes the point that they threw Bryce Dallas Howard in the deep end of the pool on the one that was going to be the most difficult to do. And, you know, if it's from a teacher standpoint, it's like if I was to get up in front of the class and say, guys, I'm going to this lesson is going to be the toughest thing that you've ever had to learn. This is going to be, you know, you're going to be hating me at the end of this This is going to be tough for you to understand this is going to be the most difficult thing you've ever had to learn it's like automatically you're setting people up for oh dear lord i can't do this so what so now i i have uh, i have a drum student who's in third grade and this is actually from this last let this last week's lesson where. Um, we're talking about subdividing a beat where you can take a quarter note that can be you know, broken up into two eighth notes or it can be broken up into a triplet. You know, we're really talking about fractions. And so I asked her, I said, so do you know how to reduce fractions? And she yells at me, says, I'm in third grade. I was like, well, okay, I'll teach you. How. And I taught her in two minutes how to reduce fractions. And she's like, you know, I didn't say, okay, this is tough, or this is something they don't teach you until. And I've taught her, you know, to be able to play stuff that I wasn't playing until I was in high school. But it's like if you come at it like, oh yeah, you'll be able to do this. Here's what you do, and people will go, okay, yeah, cool. So you're right. Favreau was smart at this, saying, all right, this is something where if somebody's going to, whose experience is going to overthink it. And they're going to get intimidated and doubtful. But if you give it to somebody who's maybe a little bit more thirsty, a little bit more, I don't want to say naive, but just it's like, if you say, Hey, do this, they'll go, got it. You know? And so I, I, and that gets to the point where I think Favreau is serving more of a role, a greater role to Lucasfilm with this whole Mandalorian thing than just producing a show. And I'm going to toss it to Dave because I think he has a point to make on this very topic
2: well we uh we covered the point about Favreau earlier right which was just that it feels like he's grooming people right but one
0: in particular I think
2: (laughs) (laughs) I um there is one that 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 stood out um Dave Filoni um got a lot more screen time than the others um and um just through the course of this behind the scenes look and hearing his stories and seeing how he interacted with everyone else and how they referred to him. And they talked about how he was their sounding board. He was the one that would basically be the George whisperer. He was the conduit to the creator. Um, It just looks and sounds and feels like Dave Filoni is being groomed to become the head of lucasfilm um, and I know that so the ver-
0: at the very least The head of star wars, but I think I think you're right I think it, because lucasfilm is pretty much synonymous with star wars So right
2: I a lot of people have speculated that he should direct films because he's done such a great job um with the animation side of things Uh, And now with Mandalorian and uh, people have been clamoring for that for a number of years now. Um, And maybe that'll still happen. But like, I just, I mean, like my first thought takeaway from this was, uh, wow, there, there, he, he's the, he's going to be the Kevin Feige of this universe. Isn't he? Well,
0: here's the, here's the two things. It's like at some point, uh, you know, George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan aren't going to be there to be the person who goes up and says, Han Solo wouldn't do that, you know. And they need somebody in Lucasfilm to say, "No, this is at this is what's at the heart of Star Wars." Yes, you can go on these creative, you know, branches, but at the, here's what Star Wars is: is its heart. And I think Dave Filoni is the only one who gets that right now. Everybody else are big fans of Star Wars, but they don't get Star Wars. He does. And so my thought is what we're talking about on on Twitter was that um, it's like. I don't think he's going to go on to direct a bunch of movies or anything. I think it was like, Dave, we need to get you to direct a few things that's live action, not animation so that you can have the perspective when you're trying to tell people of this is how star Wars is made. So you have that experience, even though it's only a few episodes of the Mandalorian and maybe, maybe a feature film at some point, who knows, but um, I think it's just one of those things we need to make sure that you have that, you know, those quiver, those you know, bow those arrows in your quiver, so that you can have a little bit more credibility when you're going to a, you know, bigger director and say, "But this is how Star Wars needs to be made."
1: Uh, so, Fredo? yeah, no, and it's uh, yeah, I think we all kind of reached the same conclusion. Uh, this, you know, that Dave did regarding Dave Filoni, just from the standpoint of when he's talking about being in a room with George Lucas and coming up with the concepts of what will become the Clone Wars, will become Rebels, or will become the Mandalorian, all these ideas. Um, it puts him in a position that's unenviable because it's almost like, 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 like they said, he becomes the George Whisperer. He becomes the voice of God when God's not in the room. So it's almost like Moses coming down from the mountaintop with the Star Wars Commandment, so to speak, in this instance. Uh, but I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing because you do want somebody who, a guy like um, Taco Waititi or uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, you know, or anybody else they bring out, whether it's Robert Rodriguez, Ben Reed, can go and say, okay, am I anywhere near close to this being feeling like Star Wars? Because that's been the charge that's been levied ryan Johnson, at, <laughs> in some instances, some of the other directors, in some instances, is this doesn't feel like my, like Star Wars. It's like, well, let's give you and put you in the room with somebody who can tell you if this is or isn't Star Wars.
0: Well, it's again, I, I mentioned Kazden earlier. You know, it's like yeah, we're watching the Force Awakens was on you know this past weekend, and you know the fact that Han Solo says mumbo jumbo. It's like that that is a phrase that. Han Solo would use, and if somebody tried to write something else like malarkey or something like that, it's you know, there's got to be somebody who says, no, that's not the way Han Solo speaks. You know, that's why the Solo movie, um you know, yeah, it didn't do as well monetarily, but um they really understood the Han Solo character because it was written by Kasdan and his son. They get Han Solo, and I think, I, I and again, I think Dave Filoni just he totally understand star wars and um yeah so i i don't know what how how he would be at you know running a company or you know um so i don't know maybe it'd be some fancy dance new um title like creative director or something like that i don't know but i like what you said the kevin feige of of star wars yeah
2: yeah, yeah. and uh, you know it's it the thing that strikes me too about this situation is that three of us came to that same general idea, just from watching this one episode of a documentary series. Well, oh, it's like
0: it's like I said, it's like a league of their own, you know, where they're you know introducing all the players on the reel, and then they have Marla Hooch, who's you know like from you know far off distance, and says, "And there's Marla Hooch." What a hitter. It's like I felt that's the way for it was for some of the other directors whereas right. you know, Dave Filoni got his close up, got to tell his long story. I mean, you can listen to a Dave Filoni story forever. It's <laughs> awesome. But you got to listen to his whole story and, you know, then has all of his background and everything like that. Then everybody else got like about a minute and a half, you know.
1: Yeah, um, like Rick Famuyiwa who directed episodes uh, 2 and 6, you know, got a few moments and that was it. Uh, Deborah Chow, who directed these episodes. Actually, Deborah got a little bit more than Rick, but see two episodes, three and seven, and then. Uh, but I wonder if some of that's going to be because we're going to get even more details from her once they do Disney Gallery Obi-Wan. You know, yep. they, they they can they can they can always come back and give you more stuff. That's one of the advantages Disney has.
0: So, you know, I, I will say, you know, when I watch a behind the scenes or a documentary or something like that, you know, I'm always looking for nuggets that I didn't, you know, really some aha things or some um, oh, that's really cool. I never noticed that. I guess I didn't really get any of that from this first episode. I, I like listening to people sit around the table and talk about Star Wars. I mean, I listen to podcasts and we host a podcast doing that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's enjoyable. But I don't know, did you guys get anything that
2: Well, the personal anecdote, those stories that we got to hear, um, that they kind of pulled the curtain back, um, particularly uh, Filoni's uh, first encounters with Lucasfilm, which I had not really heard those stories um, told in that detail. So that was really fun. Um, And it kind of humanizes him, too, because people are starting to put him on that pedestal of this is the guy um and so like no you know he's just a normal person just like you and me and and this shows that so i loved that and the bryce dallas uh Haller um anecdote about kurosawa was just incredible i loved i loved hearing that as well but yeah i don't know if there were any new facts or nuggets other
1: than those that once you said, I mean, uh, looking at the list of what the other episodes are going to be, I get the sense that we make it a bit more detailed out of the other ones than we would about this one. Because in some ways, the directors are kind of like the generals. They oversee things. So, so they're going to focus on different things. Whereas, uh, so just right quick, the list of topics. So you're going to have the first one is the filmmaking process. They're going to have an episode on the legacy of George Lucas' of Star Wars have an episode on the cast, bringing the characters. They're going to have one on the technology, the groundbreaking technology. They're going to have one dedicated just to shows practical models, effects, creatures, and creative influences. They're going to have one on the score, so they're going to get the composer in. And then they're going to have one, uh, connections to Star Wars characters and props from across the galaxy. So I get the sense that once they get to some of the more specific artists and uh, crew behind the scenes, we might get into the further uh, nitty gritty of the Mandalorian season one. Whereas I think this is just kind of like the introduction, like the appetizer, get everybody in.
0: Creative, yeah, no, I, 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 I dug, I dug the episode. Um, like again, I can even just hearing stories, so I was fine, but I just didn't get any big like aha's. But I don't know if we'll get that. I don't know, maybe I shouldn't expect getting aha's. Um, but uh, I was actually wanting to hear some more of like I wanted how they I guess I wanted to hear them geek out a little bit more than what they did they they seemed like it was like it was a job you know for the most part which was fine but not a really criticism but Dave I'm sorry
2: no fine uh, the, um, the creative influences thing jumped out at me right away I was like what are they going to touch on what are they going to talk about like I can't wait are, are we going to hear about Lone Wolf and Cub are we going to hear about seven samurai. Are we gonna hear um this, that, and the other? I really I I can't for that. Um I may be disappointed, but that that sounds interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Particularly when you start thinking about the different chapters each episode and how yep. each one had brought a different sensibility. Because there was that one moment I love when uh Fabro and I want to it, say was Fabro Falonian, they're discussing with the prop person about that prop of all the busted stormtrooper helmets on on spikes. And now he said, look, you know, we want him to look weather, we want him to look beaten. We're not gonna lay it's not gonna be a shot that's like focal, but we're gonna kinda, you know, it's gonna add to the ambience of menace in this environment. Actually it may have been episode five. There may have been the one in on Moss If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that was Deborah Child's episode. But it's interesting that that John is talking to the prop guy telling him and, okay, this is only going to be for a moment, but it's going to add to the overall feel of the episode of, okay, there's a hidden threat here for our Mandalorian.
0: You know, the, other, the I guess the one thing that did strike me again is, like, um, I don't think the Mandalorian would have gotten away with some of the risks that they took um, if Jon Favreau wasn't running this and he hadn't had, you know, done a lot of good things for Disney already, Disney and Marvel, because he he made that point of, I think it was the, uh, the prison breakout, um, episode said so Disney they showed it to Disney and Disney went, that's really weird. He was <laughs> like, yeah, it is. And, and they're like, all right, did John Favreau likes it? So, but if it would have been. Aaron and Fredo, you know, producing this and they they this is really weird. Yeah, it is. Uh, you need to go fix this. But the fact that it was John Favreau, I think, um, you know, and he's like I said, he's done a lot, made Disney a lot of money. So I think they're uh I think he can get away with a little bit more stuff.
1: Yeah, that's well, a good point. It's a cachet that he brings for not just starting, kickstarting the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But also, it's something that maybe it's even something that maybe Dave Filoni doesn't have yet. Yeah, you know, you know, John Favreau can say, "Look, I made Iron Man. I made Iron Man too. I, I've done this. I've done that." You know, and people go, "Okay, he's got the he's got the skins on the wall to prove that he is capable of delivering." It's, it's the
0: exact it's the exact same reason why the Bucks, you know, shot up in their you know probability of winning, you know uh the NFC South is because they got Tom Brady and Rob donkowski exactly. it just brings a little bit of credibility to that team.
1: Yeah. Um
0: so yeah, I mean that was the I, I think it was fun. When are, when are those episodes going to be released? Uh, Friday. On- Friday. Fridays. Okay.
1: So next one's coming out tomorrow.
0: Sweet. Good, good, good. All right. Um but the other thing that came out on May the 4th was the very last Clone Wars episode ever. Um and we're not going to give a synopsis of that um we'll just kind of talk about what we thought about these last four episodes you know that siege of mandalore arc and but we're going to be talking a little bit more you know how does this affect the the story of star wars as a whole but i think um maybe just go around the horn and what were our favorite moments in these last four episodes um i guess maybe uh fredo start with you what do you or the things that really stand out
1: off the top of my head, the first thing that kind of pops out is that duel between Ahsoka and Maul in the second what's the second the second chapter of the Siege of Mandalore. Just because it's been something I've been building towards and seeing it in action, it, it was just epic in a way that Star Wars duels can be. You know, few few movie franchises have a position where you can put we're going to put our hero and our villain. In direct conflict with one another, and it's going to look the same way because you know, lightsaber duels are lightsaber duels, they'll sort of follow the same function, but the form, the way that they, they're performed, is different from one to the other. Not really, you know,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take a small issue with you there, real quick, because mm-hmm. um, I would agree that that was awesome, and the tension was great, and the storytelling was great. But then I think it gets cheapened when you go to Rebels and Ahsoka and Maul, you know, see each other on Malachor. And Ahsoka goes, basically, Maul, what are you doing here? Which makes me. I mean, that's really all you get. It's like now having to see what their climax was, you know, it would be like if Dave and I had an all out fist fight on the streets. And then two weeks later, side. So I went. Up, you know. I mean, it's it was just kind of like it's what what it, they're they're just, they're just they don't they're not congruent. So. Well, I
1: just said it's so we're talking. You know, you're saying two weeks, but this is not You know, the next time, well, we uh, the next time we know that they see one another is in Malcor almost 15 years later. This yeah, is not.
0: He left her for dead on a crashing starship. It wasn't like he you know took her the last piece of pizza which is what it sounds like at in that episode of Rebels. You know, I
1: mean well, but but I guess my point is it's going to be we don't know if they had other encounters in between. I mean, look, she so we've seen this happen already. Ahsoka has duelled to the death against Asajj Ventress and when Ahsoka had to go on the run, she turns to Asajj Ventress. It's surprising, you know, a story of. Enemies turning and aiding one another in this universe. So the idea that 15 years down the road, Ahsoka would see Maul and be like, "Oh, hey, Maul," you know, I'm not necessarily saying that it kind of gets excused because, again, there may be more that we don't know, and that's going to be one of those interesting topics, you know, down the line.
0: On the flip side, I will say because I've I've been watching a little bit of Rebels um, Mm -hmm. since then, and the episode when Vader realizes that Ahsoka is alive and also their duel in Twilight of the Apprentice, that now is like even more powerful than it was when I watched it in Rebels the first time. You know, having just watched those episodes again, it's like, wow, that is, that. I mean, that just, it adds so much more emotion and heaviness to it. But uh, Dave, what what were some? Because you just kind of you you kind of crashed these uh these four all in one, didn't you?
2: Yeah. Well, I watched. We were watching them like in bunches, so we'd watch two, the previous two, and then we watched these last two on Tuesday. Um, I uh, I guess maybe watching them back to back might have helped me with my answer to this question, which is just that. Uh, we had speculated coming into this, how is Order 66 going to play out on film? And we had a lot of speculation. We had fun with that. It's like, well, they could do this, they could do that. But what they ended up doing, and this I loved, was they put Ahsoka in the middle of it. She was going to have to deal with it. And Filoni and Company pretty much just answered this question of, how would she be able to even get out of this if she were faced with it? So it's like, what were her strengths? Um, And so we got to see her strengths kind of present themselves over the course of the two episodes, like her compassion and her humanity, the way that she treated other people manifested with the droids who ended up helping her throughout throughout that whole final arc. And I loved that so much. And I I, similarly, um, she was quick on her feet. Uh, she's a tech, uh, you know, she's this mechanic, right? And so it's like, she's able to hack into Anakin's account basically, because she's smart enough to figure that out. Um, and then I like the, um, I just love that bit of anarchy that she unleashes on the ship by releasing Maul, it's just it's such a fabulously entertaining idea or strategy for her to pursue. And so and she did it. I don't know a hundred percent if that's in character or not, but I love that she did it. Um and again, all of these things, they either sort of reinforce character traits that we already knew of her, or they enhanced her character in, in ways that were entertaining. So um that would be my response. I just like the Ahsoka development over the the final arc was just incredible.
0: You know, they almost she's almost more in tune with the Jedi code than any of the Jedi, and she's yeah. not a Jedi. And by the way, they tried they tried to use my my idea of you know she's not a Jedi, so we can't turn on her. It was it was a plot yeah. element. It was there, but it didn't fly with the clones either um so i was i was actually kind of a bit i i when when order 66 went down and you know rex you know is obviously battling his programming right and but it was i think that could have been a little bit more a little bit more clear that you know he was you know how he was making that choice or whatnot um because it was i don't know it just seemed to be kind of like oh my god he's actually trying to kill her and you know um but no i i but overall i thought it it played out really pretty well um yeah i i I don't know i i guess i wish a a little bit less cat and mouse on the uh on the cruiser and because the best part of the whole thing was like the last about you know, three minutes of, of the, of the last episode.
1: Um, you mean just, when it goes dialogue free, what what you mean? When it goes dialogue free? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's uh, like, there's not a word spoken after a certain point, you know, and it's just, it's just music and special effects sound. sound special that's the effects thing.
0: So my answer, what's most, what I think was the best part of especially the last two episodes was the music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the the second to last episode it's almost like uh, a saving private ryan you know when you know when the all the all the ambient sound would basically go off because there's like that you know partial deafness that's going on everything's just kind of muted and you just have the high pitched stuff. it's it's like you're in that constant like um i don't know it, it was almost i said mournful earlier um but it's all it it was it was just like one long death scene and the music added to that because even when they're charging through the star cruiser and fighting everybody it's it's mournful music it's you know i I just thought it was really well constructed Um,
1: there's none of that march of the resistance you know Happy step uh, action movie beats. Right. Or sounds. No, I was going to say, you just reminded me, you remember the music when the Mandalorians are loading Maul onto the shuttle? It's almost yeah. like a horror theme. Yeah. Almost yeah. like the Jaws theme. It's, it's surprising that they're playing that at that moment. So, do you think. Um... Can
2: I re- bounce off your music
1: thing, though? Yeah, I want to say one ahead.
2: thing. They lifted several tracks directly from Revenge of the Sith. Um, and Fredo and I I remember on our music episode we were just gushing over Revenge of the Sith this is where I tell you Aaron you must go back and listen to that soundtrack some more
0: Uh, yeah what else am I going (laughs) to do let me me ask you this though Um, so when we first saw Revenge of the Sith and Order 66 goes down and all of the strongest Jedi with the exception of Obi-Wan and Yoda go down quicker than I mean it's like not even a fight right and yet here's this padawan who is you know taking out half of the 501st garrison you know it, it, did, did we did we did we elevate Ahsoka to Yoda and Obi-Wan levels
1: Maybe, but can I say, I think this is part of the point that that scene with Anakin and Rex at the start of the arc displays when they're all saluting her and when uh, uh, Anakin mentions the loyalty to the clones that, that Ahsoka has displayed over the entire series. Because Ahsoka's always been, and they even made a point to show it again when they initially assault Mandalore. You know, she's the one who is... Rescuing clone troopers, she's the one who leads the charge to rescue Jesse, who later on turns on trying to kill her. You know, whereas the majority of the Jedi that we've seen, by and large, it's not that they don't care for the clones. They don't think of them as, you know, living sentient, you know, beings on the level. They're soldiers that they must obey what they say.
0: Well, and I'm not. I'm, I want to make it clear. I'm not making a Mary Sue comment here okay i'm just all i'm saying is that you know it's like you can in revenge of the sith you can kind of make the arguments like okay yeah it makes sense that yoda and obi-wan get out of this a but a they have to because we all see empire strikes back but anyway um but i mean you you could they're arguably two of the strongest jedi you know ever and they're working together at that point Mm -hmm. right Um, and actually even obi-wan he sneaks That's off of Utapal, really? Lucky, I
2: mean, lucky they shot him down and he just happened to survive the fall.
0: Right. Whereas Ahsoka is like going all ninja on everybody. And again, I I dug it. I'm just wondering, did did they make her too much of a superhero?
2: Well, Kanan survived, right? Well, uh, because his paddle
0: because his master said
2: run. Yeah.
0: I'm reading that comic book right now. Yeah, actually, he just he just ran.
2: Uh, and like in and of itself, her being slightly less experienced, it, I mean, yeah, it could affect the outcome, but I, I wouldn't say that it would eliminate any possibility that she could survive. Um, I I, th- I also think like we're kind of underselling that Rex was helping her, um, and then before turning on her um he gave he pointed her in the right direction and then she just went off and True. and again she had the benefit of mall creating distraction for her which um occupied again probably well over half the ship i he freaking took down the hyperdrive that was
1: amazing oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, them walking-
0: going through the the hallway and like we're decapitating storm you know, clone troopers and we're chopping off their arms, and yeah. it's like, wow. I, I mean,
1: you can't show that to little kids.
0: Yeah, I think oh, I think yeah. I saw. A, <laughs> I think I think I saw a gif. It's like you know they showed a or a, a little thing on Twitter. It's like um, here's. Here's Kiati. Here's how everybody else handled order 66 they show Chiari Monday getting gunned down They show all the others getting gunned down and they said and here's Maul and Maul's just striding through a hallway and just Smashing people left and right, but um,
2: Coming though, and I found that was really interesting. He knew it was coming and he projected that to Ahsoka, I think obviously for his own benefit. He was he was trying to corrupt her Um, but how's so, it interesting? Like he knew what was going on before anyone else did.
1: So let's start, least-
0: maybe uh and I think this is a, this is a good segue to the, sorry, Fredo, but um, cause we're going to talk about what kind of the, the bigger picture of like how this affects the, the saga as a whole, maybe in particular, you know, the prequels, you know, especially maybe these last four episodes, but, how how the clone wars series has how it fits into the entire how it affects the entire saga that we grew up with um you know i I will say that at first you know i i took me a long time before i watched the clone wars series and even then i felt like it was tangential you know i i didn't feel it was necessary um to appreciate the entire story. It was just like, okay, they, they talk about the Clone Wars. We saw it in episode two and a little bit in episode three. Um, so it's kind of nice to have those stories. Now, I think these, especially these last four episodes and even the entire series, to fully appreciate that entire story, I think these need to be watched um, because it adds so much more emotional weight to everything else. I oh, know. I'll throw it to you guys.
2: Um well, yeah, I would agree. I mean, uh we I, I think you and I are very similar in that we didn't watch the Clone Wars during the original run and came to it later. Um and um it just we we've we've gone over the critiques and the criticisms and where it sometimes falls flat and sometimes the animation isn't great um but i you know again Filoni and company really elevated these last few episodes to emotionally well let me just say like these are this is some of the best animation they've ever done right it looks better than rebels ever did mm-hmm. uh we've talked about that but uh emotionally i always gave the tie to rebels um I, there were so many story beats in Rebels that paid off these long arcs that were just uh gut wrenching. Yeah. Um and, and Clone Wars didn't have as much of that uh until now. Um and and now I really feel like it delivers. Um we recommended on 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 an episode, we recommended people go back and watch uh previous episodes before watching this final season, uh, I still stand by that. Uh, I stand by that a lot more than I did before. I, I I just think like this is a very worthwhile series.
1: Yeah, I think I come to it from the same point as you guys did. I think there was a point in a like, okay, I'm done, Star Wars. You know, you no, know, we've got our six-movie saga. What's the point of... Watching an, an animated series, particularly after the animated movie, I hate to say it, but that first uh, Clone Wars movie, where you get introduced to Ahsoka and the little baby uh, Java, uh, I think it was not necessarily the the nicest introduction because you know it just reinforced so many of the negative opinions I think I had of George Lucas at the time. Uh, like, yes, Yeah, Oh God, <laughs> but I think what it showed is number one because it was allowed to run as a kid's show, it was allowed to kind of flourish on its own. You know, whereas with a movie, and we saw this reaction with um, with the sequels, there was so much expectation, so much demand on each one of them that if they're not hitting everything we wanted to hit right at that moment, we're upset. Clone Wars was allowed to find its own footing. Like if you watch much of season one, it's kind of like, uh is it for kids? Is it not for kids? You know what's the themes? What are the, what are the things it's trying to hit? And then somewhere towards the end of season one and then season two, it finally begins to hit that stride and it adds so much depth and so much character to, you know, so many other characters that we only tangentially get to meet in episodes two and three, like Dooku, like Grievous, like Maul, you know, even characters like Obi Wan and Anakin who we got to spend a lot of time with we get to know them a lot better and i think that only adds to the quality of the story because if you watch if you watch episode 2 watch seven seasons of clone wars and then you watch episode 3 yes you can make the through line to what happens with anakin but it it just feels a lot richer but
0: well, you also it i mean the the series helps you understand palpatine's you know, long game, Mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, okay. Yeah. So episode one, he's going to weasel himself in to get, become chancellor. And then episode two, he's going to start a war kind of a wag the dog type of thing. So he can, you know, gain control. And, you know, episode three, I'm going to, you know, get my apprentice.
1: Um, I love that idea that Mole presents in, in the second episode of the arc, the Siege of Mandalore, where he says, I'm trying to, ruin my master's plan by taking away the apprentice that he's been grooming, you know, because it's the kind of thing that only a character like Maul, like somebody like Ahsoka would never have seen that because she believes in the good of Anakin. It takes somebody like Maul who knows how devious Palpatine is to recognize that.
0: I'll tell you what, though. They made, you know, it's it's, it's kind of funny, you know, um, Jar Jar Binks kind of is the uh, you know, responsible in a way for creating the empire. You know um, that was the running gag since you know Episode Three, where he you know votes to give you know the Chancellor all sorts of powers. Um, but now the person you really want to blame is Mace Windu. They make him to be. Or sorry, you're going to have to use a McClunky, They make him out to be a. My you know, when he says, sorry, citizen, this is just for the Jedi Council, you know, it's like, wow, if you would have, you know, if he would have shut up and Yoda would have asked this question, you know, then Ahsoka probably would have said, you know, Maul said something about, you know, Anakin being groomed to be Sidious's apprentice. Then they all would have went, what? Ooh, okay, yeah, let's not send him over here this time, let's... Would have changed. You saw that. That was the domino, you know. And you know, way to go, Mace Windu. You messed it up for everybody.
1: <laughs> but uh, but I think that's part of part of the story that that uh, that Clone Wars helped flesh out. The, that hubris of the Jedi. Yeah. That idea yep. that of course they're going to come out on top. They're the heroes. They're the good guys. They're connected with the Force. They have all these powers. No way anybody can get one over on them. And lo and behold, they do because they don't see it coming.
2: Now we talk about the legacy of um, Ahsoka as a character. She is now an A-lister. We were passing around that meme uh, a couple of days ago, which was like, you know, it's one of those typical things. So-and-so costs $5, so-and-so costs $4, assemble your crew. Um, and you know, Ahsoka was on the five dollar line, uh, so it's like, yeah, she's 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 there now. We we've been speculating: is the series coming, uh, the live action series? Is she going to make that appearance And the Mandalorian? Yeah, I mean, all that's happening mm-hmm. at this
0: point. I, and I I totally agree. I think they again. I said it earlier. They made her to be what a Jedi is supposed to be.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know um supposed to be you know selfless and compassionate and she even said "Oh, i've been as a warrior she knew she wasn't going to be a warrior and she says to rex said they may be ready to kill me but i'm not going to be the one to kill them you know um so it's it's it was kind of obi-wan at the end of uh you know a new hope you know just taking one for the team type of thing um So I I would agree, I think they made her into an incredible character that she deserved her voice in episode nine, you know, as one of the Jedi speaking to Rey. Um, You know, and it's kind of funny because as I say that, that they make her to be, you know, what a Jedi is supposed to be. She's almost that gray Jedi that we've all been talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. where she she will listen to Maul, you know, she will, you know, she she will get aggressive as well. You know, but she'll also be passive. Um, so I, I I just think it's really well. I think it's a really good character. Um, it's
1: it's interesting that it, she uh, almost agrees to follow and and uh, work with Maul until he throws the comment about Anakin, and it's the one thing that Ahsoka can't bridge over uh, that that affection that bond that she's built with Anakin through her years being his his Padawan blocks her from seeing the totality, but also blocks her from being able to look at Maul as anything other than an enemy, because the moment he says, oh no, I brought him here to kill him, she's like, okay, you gotta go. Didn't matter what you were saying, you may make him good points, but now, you gotta go. It's
2: ironic. Mm -hmm. So, when you really think about it, because like, this attachment has harmed so many Jedi. We've seen that story told over and over. In this case, that attachment helped her not fall Mm -hmm. under the spell of the Sith Lord. (laughs) You know, I mean, um, who by the way is marvelous and continues to be marvelous. And uh, I, I, the open ended ending that we got of his makes me want to see more.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a best reclamation project that Filoni has engaged in, I think. Probably you know, Mole number one, uh, probably two, and, and then Dooku number two from the way that we got them out of the movies. Uh, actually, yeah. no, I'll say Mole one, Dooku two, and probably Padme three.
2: Yeah, Padme would be in there too.
1: Because even though she wasn't as uh, prevalent this season, the work that he had done during the previous seasons with her character, just really helped flesh
0: out a lot more. So I will say, you know, again, again, getting to the, the, the more umbrella topic. And I, I would say that now if I run into anybody who's like, "Oh, I can't stand the prequels. I would tell them to go watch the clone war series mm-hmm. and then go watch the prequels again. Cause I think it, I, I, I think it, uh, Helps kind of blunt some of that some of the bad from the prequels, you know, you know, the like I've talked about before the the romantic Padme stuff, you know, combing her hair on Coruscant and, you know, just some of the just, you know, the bad I I don't like sand, it's coarse, it's, you know, some of that bad stuff, the Clone Wars blunts that because you start getting a bigger picture of Anakin and Padme beyond just they love each other, you know, you get a more like I said, that more idea of what the long game is. So, if you're upset that episode one was it was all about politics, it's like, well, it had to be about politics, but now you're seeing what that you know, what Palpatine was up to, um, and that it wasn't just a by circumstance type of thing, he it was a plan. Um, and then, it, so I, I just think I think it just makes that whole prequel trilogy um more more uh palatable you know and uh, just more enjoyable even though i you know i enjoyed it but i think i enjoy it more now having gone through all the clone war stuff
2: mm-hmm. i think even minor complaints like the um sifo thing which like came out of nowhere in attack of the clones and they dropped it like a lead brick uh yeah like, there was an episode dedicated to that and we got a lot more information i mean those kinds of things it's just a much more enriching experience when when you've seen this supplementary uh, material and it you could even argue it's not supplementary at this point it's um valuable on its own merits but again
0: i think it also so now i'm gonna i'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit and get on the other side of the coin let's now say that uh let's let's go back to 1983 and we just got done watching return of the Jedi. And then you look back at that, at that star Wars trilogy. It's like we didn't when we saw empire strikes back and all of a sudden Luke is, you know, using the force to grab a lightsaber. We have never seen, you know, we never saw an episode for, we didn't see anybody move anything with their mind. You know, we saw the Jedi mind trick, but we didn't see moving objects. We didn't all stand up in the theater and say, "What this makes no sense They going now we're moving stuff. What is this all about? We didn't freak out. We just went, Oh, okay, you know and so we didn't we didn't need you know a seven season series of anything to make us feel better about and so i'm so I'm wondering, is it because we were you know, I was 10 or, and now I am 47, you know, is that, is that the difference? You know what I mean? Or, or is it, is it like my niece and my niece who I I love, you know, as if she was my own um, after she, after um, episode seven, she couldn't, she was mad that the story didn't go on. She demanded, you know, to know, have all of her questions answered right away. You know, is there something about in our society now that because we can go and get things on demand and we can have our questions answered, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm bouncing around here, but I'm just, why didn't we need seven, series, seven seasons of something to make us feel better about the things we saw in Empire Strikes Back that were all new to us?
1: I think because it was new, and so we didn't know what to expect. Here's the thing, and I think it's kind of the the recognition that us original trilogy fans have to make. We brought all our expectations not into those movies, but onto the prequels. Our expectation, no, we're just happy. Hey, we got Empire, awesome. We got Jedi, that's nice. And well, we got a chance to ruminate and live with those movies for a long while, and then. Well, the expectation came to, oh, we're going to get the same thing in the prequels, and when we didn't, we got all upset about it. And whereas the six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kid going to see Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, everyone to the Sith, to them, they didn't need, they might not necessarily have needed the seven seasons, but it was awesome for them to get this, and this was theirs. And then on top of that, then they get seven seasons of something that made it even greater. I'm surprised, no recognizing, like I go on YouTube and I see people's reactions to the episodes, how many young, for us, I mean, like mid-20s, late-20s, people are so devoted to the Clone Wars, the TV show, because it's their Star Wars. This is their Star Wars. Ahsoka is their Princess Leia. I I would
2: also say that it, um, is it needed? No. Uh, I, for me personally, I'm more of a prequel defender than probably anyone else on this show. And, um, uh, I, I didn't need the clone wars to, um, fill in the blanks, so to speak, but, uh, I wouldn't turn it down. Um, and at first I was not really that interested in it, but, um, the series sort of grew in such a way that it kind of was able to let me kind of recapture the mindset that i had when i was a child because if you like is, to answer your question at, after return of the jedi if you had said to me hey i'm going to give you seven seasons of a star wars show sign me up i would take it <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm watching that uh, every week and I'm, you know, ruminating on it and everything else. But, um, you know, it's funny, like by the time the prequels had ended, our mindsets were in a totally different place. So, um, yeah, maybe some of it is generational, but um, I just I think it's a credit to this show that it was able to like kind of cut through that malarkey. To use your word, um, and just able to connect with us, the older generation.
1: Like, which I guess you know, bringing it back around, it's it's interesting that a lot of the kids who get to see us rage against the failures of the prequels are now the ones rage against the failures of the sequels. I don't know if it's we're all doomed to repeat our the mistakes of our elders, but I can't wait for. Uh, Dave Filoni's seven seasons of uh, the battle against the first order, the war against the first order, between uh, Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker, which all of a sudden will flesh everything out, and all of a sudden everybody's like, "Oh wow, well, I guess they weren't that bad," because it'll be funny. It'll be the same trick again. I'd love. Oh, to see and, uh, uh,
0: I do have to say, let's just talk about the last like two minutes or so. Um, mm-hmm. How cool is it seeing Vader? um i thought that moment was really very interesting it was really really cool but i was actually more excited when it was like the first thing you see are snow troopers like yay snowies yay <laughs> there i am um but however uh dave you just got done reading the ahsoka novel and they're they're just gonna have to decanonize that now aren't they
2: oh i'm gonna have to disagree with so much of that criti- like. There's barely anything in there that would even begin to kind of disagree with what we saw on film. I mean, there's a couple of little things that you could take issue with, kind of like what you were talking about with Ahsoka encountering Maul later on, and you're like, why isn't she trying to take his head off? Um, There's a couple of things like that, but But it's like...
0: let me let me yeah. pause you there for a 2nd We've talked about it. It's like I think it the, though it does show That I don't think the story group is doing their job or there's nobody who because if they know we've we wrote this book You know a couple of years ago. So it's not like it's from it's not like it's From you know eons ago. This was really recently written and this shows how you know uh, Ahsoka and Rex you know got out of you know siege of Mandalore in Order sixty six, but then somebody goes no that's not the story I want to tell so I'm going to tell it a little bit different. I guess they could have if if Dave because when this book was written Dave Filoni obviously would have had to have been consulted because he'd been telling a story forever. Um, and he, you know, had these others th- th- it could, it could have coalesced a lot better than it did.
2: And you know, again, somebody may, somebody listening to this may be able to just say like, Hey, you're, you're flat out wrong about this. But like the, the scenes that like uh, specifically the flashback scenes that occur in that novel, um, The ones that stood out to me were her in a face off with Maul and her basically taking him down because of her training, Um, the specifics of which didn't really matter too much to me. Um, We basically saw that happen um, both times. Uh, And then her and Rex basically faking their deaths, which we was alluded to as well um and so like if it didn't line up perfectly or whatever it didn't bother me i think some people just get so wound up about these things and it's um i guess maybe this is part of where that you talked about a difference in mentality of people who are like into the into comics and stuff because it's like well yeah they'll show a different version of events and then they can just write that in however they want to later later on. Oh, it's a different reality or it's a different perspective or it's a different this or that. Um and, and by the way, people listening me.
0: people listening to this podcast, sometimes you you never know exactly what I think. Sometimes I just know what's going to get people riled up. So that was uh <laughs> that was me getting I knew I was gonna get Dave fired up.
2: But I I, I like both. I like the novel and I like the the series. And I didn't see a lot of contradiction there. I,
1: yeah.
0: Well, let you me, know, Star Wars. Star Wars has always been about a certain point of view, um, you know. But um,
1: let me just ask, right quick: Did you find that you didn't get enough Mandalorian Siege of Mandalore in this arc in the Siege of Mandalore?
0: Well, I mean, I, again, I'm stealing somebody else's. Uh, you know, um, I suppose. Uh, Point of view on this one, but I agree with them that it was the the siege of Mandalore was not about Mandalorians.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it was it was about it was about Ahsoka. It was about Order Sixty Six. Siege of Mandalore was just the the set dressing. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it was, surprising. It was, the, it was it was the catalyst to to get them where they needed to be.
1: Yeah, because it's surprising because after it had been built up and we thought, okay, we're going to get some more explanation about stuff that will impact Mandalorian season 2. We got very little. I mean, we got some movement but you know, not necessarily more depth. You know, I guess That's the,
0: interesting where we're going to get some of that. I think we're going to get some of those in flashbacks in Mandalorian
1: 2. Yeah, because we still don't know how they went from the society that we see in Clone Wars and Rebels to what happens after the purge and the people we get to meet in season 1 of Mandalorian. But, Uh, But to your question regarding those last few moments, I think, like I was saying, it's it's interesting that they played it the way that they did, that I love the idea of seeing the uh, Imperial Troopers, the Snow Troopers, uh, the Stormtroopers Vader in the Clone Wars uh, motif or design. Uh, I love that they played it as a quiet moment, uh, because particularly at this point, I mean, the whole point of this end is that it ends in tragedy. Now the whole story arc for Anakin is he's rich. He's reached his lowest moment. He's lost everything. So the fact that, you know, sometime later in the future, after becoming Darth Vader, he comes upon the crash Venator, uh, Star Destroyer, where his apprentice and his clone commander died. And all he finds is this, this old lightsaber that he had built for her. You know, it's it further goes to the idea of the tragedy of,
0: Darth Vader. Absolutely, I agree with you. That that was, yeah. You do you do look at Vader differently, Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, I also liked how, I mean, they buried every single clone and gave them a marker. Mm -hmm. You know, where you know it could have been, you know, it 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 could have just been totally discarded as just clones. You know, just didn't matter. But they really. You know, and Rex's point about you know we all have a choice. You know, he says in in Rebels, they made they made clones more human than you know some of the humans. So, mm-hmm. um, and the, and to see Ahsoka and Rex treat them as such, you know, was was really kind of poignant.
1: It's it's part of the whole story arc of the series that it introduces us, it makes us care about them, it juxtaposes their different personalities. When you get to know them as from when they're young to when they're learning to what goals they have. And just the idea, I mean, right before Order 66, Ahsoka gets to ask Rex, well, what are you going to do now? There's not going to be a clone war anymore. He's like, well, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand there's what I was made for and on the other, I don't know what happens next. And then, you know, right before, you know, right before he's going to head into retirement, bam, he, he, he would order 66 and then he gets
2: thrown out. I, I think it, like, um, it offers a lot more perspective to like the way things unfolded as to why he would be a rebel, a rebel, and part of the rebellion eventually. Um, yeah, he's not going to be fond of this person who stuck this thing in their brains that made them all turn on the Jedi and turn on... Uh, his former friends turn on him eventually. Um, I I think that would, that would just be a very affecting thing. Well,
0: I was just going to point out, you made me think there was another kind of incongruent moment where, you know, again, go to rebels when Rex said, you know, we didn't turn on our Jedi and I'm sure, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, yeah, you, you had a moment of clarity there, you know, but you know, you still, yeah, yeah, you sure did. Um, so that, so I the questions that lay, that I that are unanswered for me, it's like okay, well, I want to know, you know, how how did you and Wolf and Gregor get, you know, you know, get back together, and how did you convince them to take out their chips, and you know what? It, it's like it, there were just. Like, Brittany said it. Um, when what were we watching? Oh well, we we're watching The Rise of Skywalker, and. Um, she said the final chapter of a movie should not create more questions than it answers. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was kind of my problem is that because of the things I've seen, it's like, well, now I have questions over here. Now I have questions over there. And it's like, okay, if your end game is to, okay, well, we'll show that to you in this other series and get me to watch it. Well, then you won. But, you know, it's like you laid the groundwork of, you know, we didn't, you know, we removed our chips and we, you know, it's, and now we're here on this, you know, weird desert type planet, you know, fishing for, you know, sandfish. How'd you get there? You know, it's like, uh, so, but anyway, go ahead.
2: This is, this is where I would be devil's advocate, um, against, uh, both you and Brett, which we, is we like, to me, the best star Wars is the star Wars that makes me ask questions. Um, and and again, I know philosophically is something different than plot confusion or whatever, um, but I love, love, love when I come out of Star Wars and I'm like, well, what's going to happen with this or what's going to happen with that? And let me think about how this connects with this other thing and how... No, I
0: I would yeah. agree with you if that's Empire Strikes Back, but not if it's Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I would agree with you if it's the that if it's the Force Awakens or the Last Jedi, but not Rise of Skywalker. You know, if it's if it's your finale, you know, it, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you, you got to It they I don't think that I just don't think they stuck the ending in any of those instances.
1: So I guess the question becomes, do you think this is this wasn't stuck because we're going to get into it with the Ahsoka series? Or could we see another animated show from Dave Filoni down the line? Well, I
0: mean, it could be. And that's that's my point. Is like, okay, well, you know, it's like, um, you know, you go and see your favorite band and it's like, hey, we're playing this new song. Oh, I love that new song. Where can I get it? Well, it's not recorded yet. We're going to record it. You know, it's on our CD that's coming out. You know in three days. Oh, I'll buy that CD, you know So I don't know um,
1: It's not it's careful. not that i am
0: disappointed, but it's just like I don't you know, I, I wish they would have It didn't seem like they paid attention to those things that they they put out there in rebels and in in other you know media that Okay, we've you know, I don't know. It's just it, it they just seem to be more questions than you know answers sure.
1: I was gonna
2: say you do have to be careful um with that because like then you go too far in that direction, then you get criticized for that. Um oh you checked that box, you checked that box, you checked that box. It's like solo and revenge of the Sith are two examples that I can think of right off yeah, that's the bat. Fair. Um but so yeah, I I take your criticism, but I also don't agree with it.
1: I like <laughs> I liked it.
0: That's right. Like I heard today, being wrong is difficult sometimes. You know.
1: <laughs> no, uh, but I guess I guess the the one point I would make is, and it, this is the difficulty with not being able to finish Clone Wars, back when they were supposed to finish Clone Wars. You know, remember season five ends and then it's over, and then they get to the deal with Netflix and they get a truncated season six, and then Disney Plus comes along and they get a chance to do a truncated season seven. How much different would the story have been? And in the meantime, we get Rebels. In the meantime, we get comic books and novels, all detailing all these various aspects. How much different would this all have been had Filoni gotten the chance to finish Clone Wars, you know, years ago, and then go do Rebels? Would things have not have lined up a lot better? We'll never know.
0: Never know. But hey, uh, like but overall like I said, I really I did really dig it and I, th- I really do think that um you know, even though I said that what I said about, you know, creating more questions, um it does make I think the prequels even stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so um but yeah, it was it was really really cool. So um real quick, I want to ask both of you because you both said in our Twitter group you're like I think Fredo said uh Damn you, Dave Filoni. <laughs> that was your first reaction to like the- uh, the, the finale. The finale. Well, I guess, and then uh, Dave, you watched it and you said, I'm gonna echo Fredo, I said, damn you, Dave Filoni. What were, what were you guys meaning by that? What What made him hit you in the feels?
1: Just, just the conclusion, the way it brought things together on an emotional level. Because that's the thing, That's that's been the beauty of the show is you get to know these characters so well, even if, as you know, it's all going to end horrible. That's the thing that's that's always playing in the back of your head is this is going to end bad because it's at some point we got to line up with uh, episode three and we know that it's bad. But he still find a way to bring it to that character level. I think that's usually uh, the stories that have the best impact. They make you care for characters that are doomed or characters that are in a position where they're caught in the situation of the realities of their lives, and, and you can't kind of deus ex machina away them away from it. Yeah. And just the fact that you get to a moment when you recognize that this was going to be the end of, of it for Rex, for Ahsoka, that whatever life they're going to go into it's a new one. The tragedy of Anakin, that he's stuck in this new miserable situation, and you know, the way you brought it all in a character level, I think, was for me to go, Danny Day lonely Because it's a you nailed it.
2: pretty much. I mean, yeah, this playing with my emotions. Um the the scene on the bridge and um Maul manipulating her, what she's hearing and, and seeing, um Rex turning on her, um her her recruiting the droids to help her. I mean, like all of that was just very emotional. Storm,
0: Stormtroopers wasting droids away. Oh my god, oh, that, that was, was...
1: awful. <laughs> and you get the scream of those of the of the droids as they're gunned down. And you're like, Oh my god, dude. Like I said, it got dark all of a sudden. You're like, wait a minute, they're shooting droids. Why is this dark? We we spent seven seasons of them watch you know, shooting droids oh. everywhere, but this was different.
0: Here's, here's the thing, though, is that we just watched Darth Maul decapitate clone troopers and rip their arms off, you know, in the doors, and then it's like, hey, well, that's cool, and then when they waste droids, we're all like, oh, you jerk! <laughs> exactly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, By the way, uh, the
2: final scene, how far after the crash do we think
1: that occurred? Sometime. Because that was stormtroopers. Yeah. And you don't get I mean, stormtroopers till when?
0: Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's even been laid out. Um, however, you know, know another thing that bothered me about that was that you had snow troopers and regular old storm troopers. It's like, no, I mean they should all be snow troopers because they're on in snow. (laughs) Some guy, some guy has didn't have the right equipment or something. I don't know. Um, but no, I don't know how long after that would be. Um, Vader's, uh, people, I did hear some people talking about me. Vader's got his red tinted. Um,
1: right, because you see his um, eyes.
0: So it, it might be, uh, you know, more along the lines of closer to, um, probably closer to a new hope than farther away from a new hope, I would think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If, that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, because part of me made me wonder, is this happening before Ahsoka and uh Vader duel in rebels oh. or, is this or is this happening afterwards after he walks out of the temple and uh Malakor and Dendi. well then there you go
0: then I think you do, you're that's a good point I think I don't want to change my answer then that has to be it it seems to me that uh
2: well oh, I don't you know. can really now, that, that scene I'm going to go back and watch it now. Uh,
0: well, could, boys, could, it,
1: yeah.
0: could it be after? Yeah, could it be right after they duel? But does he go back to the crash site and to see if he missed something? Because he now knows Ahsoka is alive. Mm-hmm. He didn't know Ahsoka was alive until, you know, he felt her presence in Rebels that first time when they're in the space battle. Then, yeah, they have their duel on Malachor, and she gets pulled into the you know, whatever world world between worlds, you know, by Ezra. Does that make him then go to the crash site again to see if she was if she actually did die there?
1: Because they have the same bird from Rebels after the yes, end of that battle. Yeah. In yeah, right. of, so I mean, like that you said it could be any number it could be in any number of spots and it lands in different ways, depending on where you put it, which I think is the beauty of the moment, it's, it's indeterminate. It could happen at any moment, and depending on when you put it, it's it gives a different level of weight or different feel to the situation.
0: Very good point. Well, cool. Well, on on that, I think we'll call it a night. Um, so uh, next week we'll uh, we won't have Clone Wars to talk about, but we'll have another uh, um, episode of the. Uh, Mandalorian behind the scenes stuff, and uh, but otherwise you're gonna have to come back and find out what we're gonna be talking about. Um, until then, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Podbean, Facebook, Twitter. You know, follow us all on our our social medias, and um, you know, let us know what you think about these episodes. And um, until then, we will all say hoodat. dat And uh, have a great week, everybody. Keep washing your hands and social distancing and do what your mama tells you. We're My Maconkey!